What's up, guys? Chris Harry with you on a draft edition of Chargers Weekly. A wild first round. The Chargers get their guy at number six, Justin Herbert. Then they move in to number 23 overall to get Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma, stud linebacker out of the Big 12. Coming up, we're going to have our Beat Writers Roundtable, Daniel Popper of The Athletic, Gilbert Benzano, Southern California News Group, and team reporter Haley Elwood going to join me. But first, we catch up with Justin Herbert's college coach, Oregon's Mario Cristobal. All right, Chargers fans, we got our guy at number six overall, Justin Herbert. Please be joined by his college head coach, Mario Cristobal. Coach, how are you? Extremely happy and excited for, for both your organization and for Justin Herbert, man. You guys got yourself an unbelievable one right there. I know you just spoke to him at his house. What was that conversation like for you? Oh, man, it was everybody's so happy for him. You, you couldn't write a better script, a story for a guy that grew up loving football and, and wanting to play for the Ducks and getting that opportunity and now getting his opportunity to play for such a great franchise. This thing is a, is a Hollywood script is what it is. And I think what you're going to find out really, really soon is that this guy from, from head to toe is exactly what you want as a competitor, as a quarterback, as a human being. What are the Chargers getting in Justin Herbert in coming back for his senior year, Coach? How big was that to prepare him for the next level? It was monstrous for him. I mean, a couple of things go with that, you know. Number one, this guy loves the game. He really does. He is an absolute football junkie. And he loves his teammates. And he knew that he was going to be surrounded by some really good guys. And he felt like, you know what, as a junior, we came up just short of some of our goals. And he did not want to leave here without cementing um, those those goals and make them them a reality. And also making sure that he did whatever he could to help his teammates get there because that's what he is. He is a, a completely unselfish guy, does not care about personal accolades, just wants to see the guys around him do really well. But his leadership and whatnot and, and his performances have made him an Oregon legend. And I know he doesn't like to talk about that kind of stuff because he's a humble guy. But you want to talk about just the ultimate competitor and field general, man. That's what Justin Herbert is. He was asked so many times throughout this process about his leadership, and he said, you know what, just ask the guys in Eugene about my leadership. People lead in different ways. Uh, this is a bright kid, a smart kid with, with a high IQ. From a leadership perspective, sometimes you just lead by example in many ways. Well, I'll tell you what, this guy does it in every single way possible. And you look at the, look at the entire body of work. You're looking at a guy that walked in as a freshman and had to just, he was thrown into the fire, complete baptism of fire on a team that was four and eight, um, surrounded by a lot of new guys, a lot of new positions, and then going through three head coaching changes, a couple of coordinator changes as well, and just basically him and his boys putting their foot in the ground and saying, you know what, we're going to bring Oregon back to what Oregon is all about, what Oregon is known for. And to take a team from, from being a four and eight and that steady climb, right, which you know those – wins from four to seven, seven to nine, nine to 12 is exponentially harder to be able to do that in the fashion that he and his teammates did that with him being the leader. I mean, if I'm looking for a quarterback, I would want him to have that experience going to the next level, knowing that he knows how to tackle and take on adversity and come up a winner on the other side. Your last game together with Justin at the Rose Bowl, about 21 miles from where he's going to play in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. What do you remember about that day? And you talk about athleticism. Justin won that with his legs. He sure did. I mean, we felt that it was our responsibility to do our best to keep him upright all year. You know, and if we got to the end of the year, we were in a position and we were playing for a championship. 
and we're just going to cut him loose. And, you know, in that Pac-12 championship game, he changed the entire dynamic of the entire competition by, by running the football, tucking it away a couple times in the first three plays and ends up winning the Pac-12 championship. And then in that, that Rose Bowl game, I mean, who would have thought the only game he doesn't throw a touchdown in, he runs for three. And it wasn't only that he just, he ran for the, it's how he did it. I mean, he made a guy miss. He made a great decision. He outran guys that had angles on him. I mean, he put that all on display all at six foot six and, and some change at 235 pounds. So I, uh, I promise you, you, you are going to be extremely pleased, excited, and fired up about everything this guy's going to bring to your program. Coach, how is Justin going to fit in with this offense, right? You, you bring in a guy like Trey Turner, a Pro Bowl guard, Brian Bulaga, and, and the weapons on the outside, the Keenan Allens, big play guy like Mike Williams, uh, dependable tight end like Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler in the backfield. When you have weapons like that and you couple that with everything that Justin brings to the table and the fact that he can be mobile as well, um, how is that going to mesh? You're going to love it. I really, um, I have absolutely zero doubt that he is going to exceed expectation. I'll tell you why. He can do things that other guys can train their entire lives and go to specialists for, and, and they'll never be able to do. He can, he can make every throw, and he can make it better than everybody else. His decision-making, his, his football IQ, his ability to learn and process, um, his courage, his toughness, his desire to win. I mean, it's a total package, man. It's what you want your own son to be. It's what you want your your quarterback of your franchise to be it's um he's going to excel in all that stuff and I think the guys around them are going to absolutely love his character and the fact that he's all about making sure that he does best by those guys hey coach we just found a picture and we put it up on our Instagram of Justin wearing a Chargers shirt when he was a kid maybe this was meant to be no <laughs> hey I I think it is I really do or selfishly um, I'm extremely happy that he's on the West Coast and somehow, some way, uh, we'll be able to see him at some point in time during the season on a bye week or whatnot. And maybe we'll fly over there and watch him on a bye week. But I, uh, about, I'm talking about his family, his brother, who's tight end with us right now, Justin himself. I, I can't say enough about this guy. And I get it. Look, when you get guys on, on your show to talk about their former players and how they're getting drafted, I'm sure they all gush about him. But I take a good hard look at what this young man has done academically on the field, the adversities have to overcome between the coaching changes, the injuries, and what he's been able to do with all that stuff. And the fact that he's just getting started, he's just scratching the surface. I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for a, a better uh, coaching opportunity to be around a guy like him. And I couldn't wish a better situation for any NFL team than a guy like Justin Herbert to be on that, on that team. Well, Coach, we were jacked up before. We're even more jacked up now after talking to you. I, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know how busy this is. I know you had a chance to go hang with Justin. And, um, heck, we may see you in the Rose Bowl next year, maybe while Justin's in a playoff game at SoFi. That's always a goal, so I hope to see you there. All right, guys, welcome to a Beat Riders Roundtable draft edition of Chargers Weekly here with Haley Elwood. Daniel Popper of The Athletic, Gil Benzato, Southern California News Group. Guys, uh, not much happened tonight, huh? <laughs> yeah, complete, complete dead three hours for us, yeah. <laughs> Chargers get their quarterback, Justin Herbert, at number six. And I was 
preparing to talk more about Justin Herbert today. <laughs> so I'm, I'm compiling notes, and then I, I look up, and it says the Chargers are on the clock at 23 overall. And what do they do? They get Kenneth Murray, the stud linebacker from Oklahoma. So uh, let's start with Gil. Your, your overall thoughts on both Justin Herbert and then snatching Kenneth Murray at 23. <laughs> yeah, that Ken, Kenneth Murray pick was a surprise for me. I'm, I was already writing my story for the day, Justin Herbert. I think I was approaching a thousand words, and then you see the trade up for Kenneth Murray. But uh, overall, I like the both picks. You filled two needs there for quarterback and linebacker. I'm a little surprised they didn't go for off- offensive tackle, but Kenneth Murray is a good player. Uh, we're, we're talking to him that he could play two spots from outside to inside linebacker. Uh, and a year ago, that was kind of an issue for the Chargers, not having productions from the linebackers. So you got that. Uh, but the main attraction is uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, that was kind of chaos at the top with uh, Joe Burrow uh, and Tua. Where would these guys go? And for the Chargers, it was uh, Justin Herbert. And it seemed like the Chargers are okay with that. Daniel, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I always thought there was a chance they'd trade back into the first round. Um, the more I thought about it, that quote from Tom Telesco in his Friday conference call where he was like, this this draft is really deep, particularly in the first round, was sort of like a ding, ding, ding moment for me. I thought they were going to trade back in for a tackle. And I thought they were one of these guys between Josh Jones and Ezra Cleveland, Austin Jackson would be falling to them and they'd take him. Um, but I also thought that, you know, internally linebacker was kind of at the same level of need as tackle. And tonight they proved that it was even higher than that. And, and I always thought that, you know, Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray were the two linebackers after Isaiah Simmons. And there was a chance that both those guys were going to fall past the 20th pick. And I figured if both those guys were falling, they were going to go after one of them. And as it turns out, they must have had Kenneth Murray rated as at least the top 15 pick the way that they were talking about him. And he's a perfect fit for this defense. I mean, you go, I was just watching some highlights because I hadn't done a lot of studying on him just because I figured they'd address linebacker in the second or third round. Um, I mean, the guy, violent mentality. That's what Tom said on his, on his conference call. All of us, that's exactly how he plays. He's fast. He hits hard. Um, And then the other thing that they talk about with Kenneth Murray is his leadership. He's a multiple, multi-year captain at at Oklahoma. um, And they're going to be looking for leaders in this locker room. You know, after Russell Okun leaving and, and Philip Rivers leaving, a lot of guys that that they relied on to be to be leaders in this locker room, they're looking for young players that can fill that void. And as Tom said, they got both those in Justin Herbert and Kenneth Murray. And then just as far as Herbert and the quarterback, like I think we all sort of knew that it was going to be the quarterback the whole time. But as with with draft speculation and the smoke screens, there's always like you know you think you know exactly what they're going to do in February heading into the combine, and then just the the seeds of doubt are planted and they start growing in your head. And then by the time the draft rolls around, you're like, I have no idea. They could draft any position, you know? <laughs> so, but it really, like, once the pick came in, in my mind, I'm like, okay, it was it was quarterback the whole time. It was just a question of which quarterback was going to be there at six. Obviously, we couldn't get any information from Tom as far as was it, if Tua and Herbert were both there to attack of of Alabama, who went to the Dolphins, which one they were going to pick. Um, my gut says that they were going to take Tua just because he checks a lot of the boxes that they're looking for in a quarterback. Obviously, the Chargers are never going to admit that, um, but they they obviously really like Herbert as a player, and he does a lot of the things that you want out of a quarterback in an Anthony Lynn offense that he's going to be implementing with a lot more quarterback movement and a lot more play action. Um, honestly, a, a tremendous day for, for the Chargers front office, I, I feel like, across the board. Haley, you and I have talked to so many draft analysts. We've poured through mock draft after mock draft after mock draft and (laughs) ad nauseum and you kind of psych yourself out right you're like who are the Chargers going to take uh we had an inkling that it was going to be Herbert through all the analysts that we've we've talked to um 
not that they knew, but mm -hmm. you, know, you, you heard his name come up so many different times. You had a chance to talk to him tonight. Uh, what was his reaction to, to getting picked by the Bolts and um, how excited is he about coming to LA? He's so excited. And actually what's really cool is he was literally training down the street. He yeah. was training for the combine down the street. So he's super familiar with the area. He just said it's, it's just a really, really great fit. He's super excited to be here. He even goes back. He told me his relationship with Dan Fouts goes back to his grandfather, who was a wide receiver at Oregon. And that relationship that they've had is very, very special and one that's sort of been fostered through the years. So he said, you know, to, to follow kind of a legend like that is something really special and carry on that Oregon legacy with the Chargers is really great as well. And he was a Chargers fan growing up. Yeah, hey, yeah. Did you see that picture? Did you oh, see that picture yeah. was awesome. So somebody slides in my DMs and sends me the picture. He's like, oh, here's Justin Herbert as a five-year-old. I'm like, what? Where did you find this? And I go to Reddit and I get it confirmed. It's like, he's five years old. He's a Chargers. I mean, between Fouts, as Haley mentioned, and the Chargers shirt as a young kid, like it seems like it was destiny, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just got off the phone with Mario Cristobal, his head coach at Oregon. And he even threw this caveat in it. He goes, I know you can talk to – guys on, on this show all the time, the coaches, and they're going to gush about their player. He goes, but let me just tell you, you guys got yourself a player. And one of the things he referenced that I thought was really interesting is the type of team that he's coming into uh, with an offense with, with so many weapons and that really cater to his skill set, his athleticism, uh, his big arm. When you talk about big play guys like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen having a, a tight end like Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler. Um, that and also the fact that he played in multiple offenses. Uh, if you get him in a an offense he's comfortable with, with the weapons around him, obviously that's going to lead to, to success. At least you're set up for success as a young quarterback. Yeah, and I, I think you're right because look at what Joe Burrow and Tua have in Miami and Cincinnati. It's not as much as the Chargers. Uh, you mentioned the wide receiver. They they revamped the offensive line with Brian Bulaga and Trey Turner. So if Justin Herbert is playing – Today, I know Tyrod Taylor is there, but he, he has a talented team. And there's a lot of comparison that he has a lot of skilled players like at LSU or Alabama. So you look at the tools, the upside, the arm, the speed, you put them on a good system, all that can flourish. So we'll see how, how it goes. But I, I think uh, he's been through, through many coaches. I think you brought up the three systems he's gone through in Oregon. So he could pick up an offense pretty quick. Uh, we spoke to him. He was pretty bothered about, about missing one formation on that quiz he got from the Chargers. So... You can tell he's a guy who wants to get it all correct 100%. So I think for him, he's probably eager to get to that playbook. But that's the best part. It's like it, it wasn't even like someone asked him specifically about his meetings. They were just like, oh, like how much contact did you have with the Chargers? He's like, I missed a question. Like, told, <laughs> like still remembers it months yes. later. Like it's just – I mean, you want a quarterback that, that is seeking perfection. And not only seeking perfection for himself, but seeking perfection for his team and for his teammates. And that's certainly what this guy is. In Justin Herbert, and uh, you know, I, there's a lot, all these questions about his leadership skills, his charisma. I mean, it's BS to me, frankly. Like, obviously, it was only one interaction, and and we interact a little bit at, at the combine, but at no point in time was I was was I like oh, he doesn't have the personality to to connect with the the personalities that the Chargers have in their locker room. Like to me, he just seems like a very talented, very smart, very charismatic guy who can absolutely fill the role as an NFL quarterback in the locker room and on the field. He mentioned that P word to me on the phone in that, that perfectionist word, that that is what he is. And, and like you said, Daniel, that is such a great trait to have. And he goes, but hey, it ended up working out. So everything's fine now. 
Yeah, and ultimately, with the perfectionist thing, like that was a negative for him entering the draft, yeah. just because a lot of analysts talk about how maybe he's he overthinks a little bit because he's always trying to make the perfect decision as opposed to reacting, which is what you need to do as a quarterback. But the Chargers have some excellent quarterback coaches between Rip Shearer and, and Shane Steichen um, who are going to hopefully be able to unlock that for him in the Chargers' eyes. And, and I think that that's certainly a possibility. Um, but, you know, it, there are positives and negatives to that trait, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Gil, I want to go back to what you said uh, just a few minutes ago. Um, so two ahead, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, they both went in the first round. Joe Burrow had Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Justin Jefferson who went in the first round. Justin Herbert didn't have the weapons that those guys had. He has uh, four years of experience. Um, he's a big athletic kid, and he showed out at the Senior Bowl. He was the, the MVP of that game. He had a great week against the, the best competition in college football at the senior level. So I do think you have to put these things into context a little bit. You know, let's see what Justin Herbert looks like with Ruggs and Judy on, on either side, or if he goes down to LSU with the weapons that, that uh, Joe Burrow had. Yeah, we're going to see that pretty soon with Cam and Mike Williams there. But, you know, what really impressed me about Justin Herbert is that when the spotlight was on him in that big Rose Bowl game, the senior bowl, he came out with the MVP in both of those games. The combine, he probably had one of the best workouts there. So when he had the spotlight on him, probably, you know, the – People are all talking about his, his throwing motion or whatever. They're critiquing everything. He stepped up with, when the, the, the lights were brighter. Uh, and he was a starter for 40 – I think he started 42, 42 games in Oregon for four seasons. He brought up how, how bad they were as a freshman at Oregon, and he built them up to be a Rose Bowl champion. So you've seen how much Justin Herbert's kind of progressed in the last four years. And just to have the spotlight on him, I think that really kind of you know impressed me that he was able to flourish that, that well. And I'll, I'll add something really quick just about the senior bowl. Cause I did ask him, you know, what did you learn that week that really kind of taught you that you could play football at this next level? And he said that really it was just the whole process. It was the whole process of being around NFL teams, learning sort of the meeting schedule, being around guys who you know are probably going to make it at that next level. And he said that leading up to the combine, he goes, I had this kind of idea in my head that I was going to go out and, and do what I do best and sort of let the rest take care of itself. And that's exactly what ended up happening back in January. Hey, Popper, uh, Kenneth Murray, you know, we talked about Isaiah Simmons a lot at, at number six, potentially. Uh, to get your franchise quarterback then to – kind of boldly go into the first round and get Kenneth Murray, who is an absolute monster at Oklahoma. 325 tackles, 36 and a half for loss, nine and a half sacks. Um, you get a guy who fills a huge need on the Chargers defense. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about the individual talents on the Chargers D. They didn't necessarily put that all together last year. Two years ago, they did. I think a healthy Derwin James is going to have a bigger say in that. But to plug in a guy like Kenneth Murray, uh, a young player on a D that has kind of a mix of vets and, and younger guys alike. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing that, that struck me about Kenneth Murray and talking to him was just, you know, how versatile he is. Um, and that's the, one of the things that he brought up when I asked him sort of where he's going to fit into this defense. He played Mike, middle linebacker at Oklahoma, but he was recruited as an outside linebacker, meaning that he could play Mike for the Chargers. He could play Will, which is where Thomas Davis played last year. He could play Sam, which is their auto spot, which is the strong side linebacker. He could even rush from a standing position, he said, which is what Melvin Ingram does on third down packages. The pieces that Gus Bradley and Tom Telesco and, and the Chargers in general are looking for on defense are versatile, athletic, 
hard hitting pieces. And that's what Kenneth Murray is. He fits. And that's what when Tom Telesco says that he fits perfectly with what we're trying to do. That's what he is. And I'm curious to see where he ends up fitting in. I mean, I think he's going to be primarily at will to start out um, just because Drew Tranquil flourished at the mic spot last season and, and Denzel Perryman and Drew Tranquil sharing that middle linebacker role worked so well last season. Um, but we'll see. He could really play so many different spots that, you know, adding Chris Harris and having Desmond King as well. Gus Bradley has a lot of pieces to use to move around and create packages that are going to wreak havoc on opposing uh, offenses. Haley, let me ask you this, um, because we thought that maybe the Chargers would address the left tackle position in the first or second round. Now that they don't have a second or a third round pick and some of those blue chip offensive linemen came off the board pretty early in the first round, what do you think they do? Do you think maybe you go back to the, the free agency market? Do you think a trade? Or is it just they have some confidence that Trey Pipkins can kind of take that next step? You have Sam Tevy, maybe you move him to the left side. It's a good point. I mean, who kind of really knows at this point? Granted, you know, we do know that that the offensive line coach is new this year in James That's Camp. Right. And so he obviously knows what's happening with the right side of the offensive line. But like you mentioned, the left, especially left tackles, a little up in the air right now. So I don't know. I mean, you could obviously even potentially trade back in to maybe like the end of the third round or something like that, depending on what sort of draft capital you have. Obviously, I think it was Tom on, on the beat call said like, you know, I'm not taking tomorrow off. Like <laughs> that's not what's happening here, even though we don't have picks right now. So I think it all remains to be seen, but, but what kind of impact Campen has on this line will be very interesting to me and something that that'll be very interesting to follow. He obviously has the familiarity with Brian Balaga at the right tackle spot, but what happens with left? It has to be kind of crazy right now too, given the fact of this virtual world and OTAs kind of being all over the place right now and and when maybe things will get settled between having some sort of structure. I mean, I know teams like the Chargers are are doing an offseason program. The Saints aren't even doing one at this point. I think yeah, I read right. last week. So it'll be very very interesting to see, but but I don't know. I mean, again, we we kind of talked about this on the draft party and some other things that we've done that this is why the draft though is so exciting because here we are at the end of round 1 knowing that this team right now doesn't have a second and third, but who knows what's going to happen tomorrow ultimately. Yeah. I feel like they have to add another tackle. I just, in one way or another, I feel like they have to add another tackle at minimum to have some competition at that spot. Um, You know, if it was a normal, as Haley alluded to, if it was, if it was, it's obviously a very different offseason. If it was a normal offseason, maybe you'd expect Trey Pipkins to make that leap from year one to year two. But if he's not on the field and he's not working, how can you really expect him to get to where you need him to be? Um, You know, so between, maybe they're comfortable with Sam Tevy and Trey Pipkins battling it out there. Uh, Maybe they add a tackle on day three, maybe they trade a player for a pick. Maybe it's Desmond King for a third round pick to jump back in and make a tackle. Maybe it's a veteran guy. Maybe they trade future draft capital for, for Trent Williams. Maybe it's signing Jason Peters to a one-year deal. I don't think they're done revamping this offensive line. I think they have to add another tackle piece before yeah. this offseason is over. Gil, we talked about this, I think, on the last roundtable. All four of us talked about uh, the impact that rookies – would even make in 2020 without an offseason program. Um, and I guess offensive line's a good point. If if you don't get a guy at the very top, uh, it may be hard to, to put in a, uh, a mid-round left tackle and expect them to, to be productive. Yeah, that's why I think that Trey Pipkin is kind of uh, the guy in the driver's seat to start. I know we keep saying the driver's seat for Tyrod Taylor, but how about for Trey Pipkin to be that guy to start left tackle? He had a pretty impressive rookie year. He wasn't supposed to play at all. 
but he somehow surprised the coaches and how well he played at the end of the, end of the season. So maybe that kind of won him over, and maybe they assume that Trey Pippins is ready to take that next step in year two, and maybe they could wait on a left tackle. Uh, but you guys are probably right. Maybe they might make a move to jump back in. Who knows? I'm kind of hoping they don't, so we kind of have a little day off. No, no second round, third round pick. <laughs> no, we want chaos skills. Chaos. Drives <laughs> traffic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they also have needs. That I'm, I'm intrigued to see if they have a they go in for a wide receiver. We were talking about getting a third wide up, possibly maybe a short yardage running back. So they're not gonna they're not gonna be done. But for me, I'm still crossing my fingers a little bit. All right, guys. Final thing, so I can let you guys go to sleep or work or whatever you want to whatever do. you're doing whatever you're doing tonight <laughs> we're grinding chris i got a I know. column to write the grind don't stop all right uh haley let's start with you do you think the chargers will make a pick on friday mm-hmm. let's go yes i like wow. it why not right papa not? what do you think i'm gonna say yes just because, just stir the pot a little bit. I'd say they, I say they deal Desmond King to a team in need of a nickel corner for a third round pick. They take a tackle like mid third round. Wow, Popper trading players away already. Listen, I think I know Gil's answer. Gil wants, Gil, yeah, Gil wants, wants a day, a day off. Day off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I want to, I want to drink beers all day tomorrow on uh, Friday. Was it Friday or Saturday? But you know what? I'm gonna go with chaos. Trade back in. Uh, get a tackle. They had two first-round picks today. We, we didn't see that coming, so why not you know, get another pick tomorrow? Just for the record, I did see that coming. I had it mocked them trading back into the first round. Just saying. Nice pat there. Just want, I just want that on the record. <laughs> this, is, this is what I think. I, I think whether it's the Chargers or other teams, teams had to get comfortable with this new virtual world today. Mm-hmm. And now that they're feeling it a little bit, I, they may get a little more bold tomorrow. I'm not saying it's the Chargers, but I think you may see more trades and a little bit more chaos on day two people people vibing off the zoom now yeah well i was actually curious about that i was gonna i was gonna that was a question i was gonna ask tom like did you have did you have teams targeted before the first round okay like these are the guy these are the teams we're gonna try and trade back into the first round with i was curious how much background work they did on teams late in the first round but with these zoom conference calls i don't get all my questions in it's a little unfortunate (laughs) i know well sometimes there's so many people on them and you know we're we're gonna do another beat writers roundtable tomorrow we have to do it with a four box uh on times like this because a we got to be efficient and you know when you have eight people on it sometimes it can be tough um so we'll have a we'll have another group tomorrow and then i'm going to get everybody together at the end and we'll just talk over each other yeah it's a good time. great content <laughs> i love it though every time you guys come on it's a blast uh, gilbert manzano southern california news group daniel popper the athletic haley elwood my partner in crime at chargers.com guys it was fun it was wild and we'll see you on friday